Hello, I'm really glad you joined us online today, tonight, or whatever time it is. We had the trip of a lifetime to Ireland. The trip was given to us for our 35th anniversary at the church, and we are very grateful to those of you who contributed to the trip. And I've got pictures to share with you. This is a picture from Long Library in Trinity College at in Dublin. The Long Library was used in Harry Potter movies. You might recognize it. Trinity was established in 1592 after the Reformation when many colleges were established. Christianity drove the quest for understanding the world that God had made. And the first scientists, those who drove the breakthroughs, were Christians. These were sheep outside of our bed and breakfast in Kilkenny. We could hear those sheep from our room. It was awesome. They didn't keep us awake, thankfully. One of the things we did was go to the Cliffs of Moore. They are beautiful, of course. One reason we wanted to go to Ireland was we saw the movie Leap Year, and when we saw the mu- movie and how beautiful Ireland was, we we wanted to go. On the way to the Cliffs of Moore, we saw seven churches from the 8th century. We also saw a fort from the 6th century. Ireland is an ancient country, so much more ancient than we are. We've only existed 200 some odd years. We also went to the Giant's Causeway formed by volcanic ash. And this is a picture from the internet because we, I, we couldn't get a picture that really shows the beauty. And this is, doesn't do that justice as well, but God is an amazing artist. He's amazing. We drove 800 kilometers on very narrow roads. This is a road typical uh, of the one we drove on. The amazing thing, I drove 800 kilometers and I didn't wreck the car once. There were some close calls. Cindy got scared a couple times, but God kept us safe. My prayer life grew tremendously as I depended on God to help me drive. We took a black cab tour of Belfast and learned about the troubles, as they call them, the conflict between Protestant and Catholics in Belfast. There is a wall that separates the neighborhoods between Catholics and Protestants. Gates are still locked every night, and the peace agreement has been ratified 25 years ago. It's it's amazing. They're, they're still unsettled. A highlight of the trip for me was going to the hill is slain. We got there on the last day of the trip. This is where St. Patrick lit a fire on the hill 
and the year he lit it was 433 A.D., again, an ancient history. The fire could be seen from 15 kilometers away, and Patrick didn't realize that the king had outlawed any other fires than the one that he had lit. He had lit a bonfire, and the Druids were worshiping it. Um, and Patrick lit the fire on the Saturday before Easter. As the king charged the hill to take out Patrick, he began to preach to the king and those charging with him. And the king's druid, I didn't even know kings had druids, his name was Urk. He decided to follow Christ. He became the first bishop in Ireland. But Urk coming to Christ pacified the king, and he let Patrick live. An incredibly bold thing to do. You didn't come to hear highlights of our trip, but I just wanted to show how grateful we are for the gift of the trip. You came to hear the Word of God. So let's get to it. The scriptures are very straightforward about life and what we should expect out of it. One of the things it warns us about is predators. There are predators that exist. We need to be aware of this so we can be wise in the way we handle life and deal with predators. In Matthew 10, 16, Jesus told us that we should be wise as serpents and innocent as doves. The scriptures are given to make us wise. Psalm 19.7 says, The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. I have known people with almost no education, very little education, but they were wise because they read and studied this, the scriptures, the word of God. I found this to be both true and real myself. So without further ado, let's check out the profile of this fool from scripture. Meet the predatory way fool. This fool is ruthless. The Hebrew word is Nabal. This is a merciless person who plots harm. Their key tool is pretense. Here's a very clear picture of this predatory approach in Isaiah 32, 5 and 6. The fool will no more be called noble. Through pretense, they seem so noble. Nor the scoundrel said to be honorable. Things won't be upside down when Jesus wraps up history. For the fool speaks folly, and his heart is busy with iniquity, plotting. To practice ungodliness, to utter error concerning the Lord, to leave the craving of the hungry unsatisfied, 
and to deprive the thirsty of drink. They aim to cause pain. When Jesus brings the kingdom in, fools will be put in proper perspective, like this says. The Nabal fool is far more depraved than other fools. They are so effective with the tool of pretense and lurking in the shadows and pretending to be your best friend. You don't see them coming. An animal that represents this fool is the shark. They come up from the ocean's depth to attack you, to attack prey, and you don't see them coming. This mirrors the pretense of the Nabal fool, the predatory way fool. You, you don't see sharks circling. You don't want to see sharks circling in the water when you're in, in it. The House of Cards TV series had a couple who represented this fool, the predatory way fool, as its stars. Frank Underwood was a politician in Washington who was destroying people on the way to more and more power. Here's a quote. For those of us climbing to the top of the food chain, there can be no mercy. There is but one rule, hunt or be hunted. His wife was working alongside with the same approach. Let's make him suffer. This fool is opposed to God and atheistic in their views. They think no God will hold them accountable for their ruthlessness. And they they don't pay attention to moral boundaries. They're free from them, which makes them dangerous to society. Here's a look at the predatory way approach to life, their characteristics. They're two-faced. Intensely selfish and stingy, very harsh verbally, cruel, inwardly plotting evil. They spread error about the God of the Bible. They squirm out of debts. Maybe they're in religious professions. Uh, it's shocking when the media uncovers this, but the Bible warns us about this. They prefer win-lose. Claire from House of Cards, let's make him suffer. Their attitude is merciless. When you deal with these fools, they want you to suffer. Their characteristics are atheistic. Since there is no God, there are no limits. Not all atheists are Nabals, but all Nabals are atheists. They're ruthless. Since God doesn't exist, I only have to get past people. They take joy in others' pain. If they can get their way without causing pain, they choose a way that causes pain. These fools pretend to be someone they're not to get close of enough to you to really hurt you. Ted Bundy, Jeffrey Dahmer, 
the BTK killer was a leader in his church. The fool will no more be called noble, nor the scoundrel said to be honorable. Nabals enter religious professions. They are false prophets or and or sexual predators. They leave the craving of the hungry unsatisfied and deprive the thirsty of drink. The reactive or glory way fools might give you food and water, but the Nabal will let you suffer. We must implement safeguards to protect against these predators as individuals and in church life. That's one of the role of the pastor who is a shepherd and he uses the, the crook, the shepherd's crook to deal with these people. And for all of us, whenever we start noticing a cruel desire in the inside, to hurt others with payback, we need to move away from that desire very quickly. Here's a video uh, from The Station, a sitcom CIV put together in 2007 for a series on the fools. Uh, the video will rehash uh, the characteristics of the predatory way fool. Uh, who was named Brett in this sitcom. Hey, how's it going? Brett has the characteristics of a predator. He represents the predatory way fool. You can see some of his strategy in this episode. The key tool of this fool is pretense. Outwardly, he seems pretty nice. This is the way Nabal fools are. Outwardly, they seem nice. But inwardly, they are plotting evil. If I were to count on my fingers how many people in this office I like and would voluntarily spend one minute of time with, I could have no fingers on either hand and be able to count them easily. Brett is two-faced and willing to do some things to make Rebecca happy while setting her up to have a serious catfight with Candace and takes joy in their pain. I just want to let you know that Candace is uh, willing to lend her ideas to help people who are stuck. Really? Yeah, they're right on her desk. I can't just take them off her desk. No, the ones on the top, you can't. She went to lunch and she said uh, the, the ones on the keyboard are available to the office. Hmm, well, what a nice gesture. Excuse me? Candace, hey, these ideas are wonderful. I'm just going to take two of them. You're what? Have you lost your mind? Well, no. Uh, Brad said that we could come and take an... We've got a cat fight out there, and Rebecca is trying to blame something on me. I think the stress of the competition is getting to the girls. No, I thought, I thought that she was sharing. Just when you decide to trust these fools, they will hurt you. If you give this fool a choice between win-win and win-lose, they will choose win-lose every time. The best thing about today was that no one really won. The only thing that would have made it better is if I had won and everyone else had been humiliated and fired. I can keep hoping for next time, though. They are very ruthless 
and merciless. The worst of these fools are serial killers and sexual predators. We can see possible seeds of these tendencies in Brett during this episode, and it wouldn't be surprising to see him on the front page of the paper after being arrested for a series of violent crimes against others. On the show Survivor, there's only one winner. I really like that. I look at this office like it's Survivor. I create allies as needed, and if they no longer benefit me, goodbye. Here's how to move beyond the predatory way. Specifically, this fool must become a compassionate giver. Since this is the last of the fools, I, I want to discuss moving past all of the fools uh, in a moment. But specifically, Nabal's need to learn from God how to be compassionate givers. Colossians 3, 5, 13 says, Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you. God commands in verse 1 of this chapter, Colossians 3, to set our minds on the things above. Choose a heavenly mindset. And then we're to put some things to death. This is what we put to death. Sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. You can only do this with the help of the Holy Spirit. Next, he gives the motivation to change. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In, in these two... You once walked when you were living in them, but now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices. These belong to the sinful nature, also called the flesh in Scripture, and have put on the new self. It's like putting on a new set of clothes, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Here, there is no, not Greek or Jew, circumcised, uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. Here are the new, new clothes that we put on. Put on, then, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved. That's our new identity, chosen, holy, beloved. We put on compassionate hearts. The Nabal is merciless. Compassion, a compassionate heart shows mercy. We put on kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive. The Colossian passage shows the basic pattern for dealing with this strategy. First, you say no to old desires to harm. This strategy grows out of 
the raw folly, evil, which means evil. So you say no to the desire to harm. And yes to Jesus and his way. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. The, the Namal must learn to say no to harm and revenge and yes to compassion and kindness. So I'm going to shift and talk about keys to over, overcoming all of the foolish strategies. God promises a new heart to those who commit their lives to follow him. Once you decide to follow Christ, the Holy Spirit lives in you and he gives you a new heart. When you commit your life to follow Christ, he puts his spirit in you to motivate you to do right. You may have experienced this if you've committed your life to Christ. I'm sure you have. God gives a new heart to help us overcome the barriers to wisdom. Ezekiel 36, 26, and 27 says, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh, and I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. In order to change, we all must allow God to break up our heart of stone. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. You must allow God to do heart surgery on you. And the way it works is we need to do that over. We need to cooperate with him so he can help us live the life, the best life that he intends for us. God gives us a heart of flesh when we follow Jesus Christ as Lord. He does this as we learn to keep in step with the Holy Spirit. In Christ, God helps us at the core of the issue, in our hearts. God's Spirit is like an umbilical cord that ties us to heaven and connects us with God, His will, and His ways. Our part is to live by the Holy Spirit. We keep in step with the Holy Spirit. Galatians 5, 16, 17. So I say, live by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature, for the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the sinful nature. They are in conflict with one another, so that you do not do what you want. Harold Bullock says, Wisdom does not offer the 
possibility of independence. Rather, dependence offers the possibility of wisdom. When we learn to depend on the Holy Spirit, that's when we have the opportunity to gain wisdom. Depending on the Holy Spirit of God is the way to change our foolish strategies. We decide moment by moment how we will live, by the Spirit or by the flesh. Galatians 5, 24 and 25, Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. We get into the flesh very quickly. It's it's very easy to do, but we can flip a switch when we're in the flesh and get back into the realm of the Spirit. When you catch yourself in default mode, which is the flesh using the old strategies, the sinful nature involves using old strategies and ways to accomplish what we want to accomplish. So when you catch yourself in default mode, recognize it, admit it, confess and repent, and then surrender to the Lord's leadership again. This is how you grow, and this is how you crucify the flesh and breathe in the Holy Spirit's leadership, and this is how you change. The second point is that God gives wisdom to people who please him. Ecclesiastes 2.26 says, To the man who pleases him, God gives wisdom, knowledge, and happiness. But to the sinner, he gives the task of gathering and storing up wealth to hand it over to the one who pleases God. This, too, is meaningless, a chasing after the wind. These five foolish strategies undermine our happiness. When we use them, we don't get what we want, which is happiness. Happiness, however, is a gift from God. He gives it to those who please him. If we set out to please God, happiness is a gift that comes along the way. Out of his goodness and grace, God wants to lead us to move away from folly and toward wisdom. The core problem behind every foolish strategy, its approach to life, is an attempt to find the best life our own way, on our own, excluding God from our thinking and living. Every fool has committed to using their tools and ensuring they get what they want according to the unique strategy that they've decided to have. I've, these are strategies that they use 
without trusting God at all. To deal with folly, we must begin to factor God into every situation. Proverbs 9.10 The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. When you decide to fear the Lord, you are at the starting point, the breakthrough point for wisdom. It's like tunneling through a mountain and seeing daylight. You have broken through. That's what the fear of the Lord accomplishes for you. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The Hebrew word for beginning is tekelah, the breakthrough point. That literally means breakthrough point, like breaking through when you're tunneling. To fear the Lord means you take God seriously and realize he's watching everything you do. We we cannot sneak anything by the Lord. Fools don't believe God is paying attention, so they try to sneak their plans by God. Hebrews 4.13 says, And before him no creature is hidden, but all are open and laid bare to the eyes of him with whom we have to do. God sees everything that goes on on the face of the earth. When we make God our reference point for handling all of life's situations, we are at the breakthrough point. Psalm 111.10 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning. The word beginning is reshit, the first step of wisdom. And all who follow his precepts have good understanding. God's word, his precepts, is where you find out what is pleasing to the Lord. And you learn how to please him by getting into the word of God. From this starting point, the fear of God, he is willing to show us how to live wisely. That's the breakthrough point. Our part is to set our desires daily to please him by obeying what he says about every area of life. We're not going to do this perfectly, of course. When we mess up, we confess, repent, and surrender to the Lord's leadership again. And this is how we keep in step. As we make it our goal to please him and ask for wisdom, God gives it to us, choice by choice. There's a pattern we find uh, for dealing with folly in Scripture. We must put off the old ways and put on Jesus' way. We, we talk, I talked about this in this message prior. Romans 13, 14, rather, clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ and do not think about 
how to gratify the desires of the sinful nature. We need to think about how to please God, not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. The Bible shows us that life is one long string of choices. And once we decide to follow Christ, that doesn't change. God doesn't circumvent our will to choose. We choose what clothes we're going to wear, whether the clothes of the flesh or the clothes of the spirit. Will we do what Jesus wants and make the choices that please him? Or will we continue to gratify the desires of the sinful nature? The desires of the sinful nature in this passage include fool and folly patterns that we've looked at in this series. This is default mode. It's what you fall back on when you're under pressure. And it's not good. The results are not good. If we have a pattern of laziness and use lies and anger to cover the pattern, we fall back into it. If our folly is to badger people into doing what we want them to do, using upset as a tool, we can fall back into that easily. But we need to walk with the Holy Spirit, keep in step with the Holy Spirit, and then we will uh, experience the life that God wants us to have. If if you haven't decided to follow Christ, the first action step that you can take to deal with folly and foolish patterns is to trust your life to Christ and follow him. After that, Jesus leads you to live wisely as we choose his way. This is what it means to clothe yourself with the Lord Jesus Christ. Colossians 2.3 says, In him, Christ, lie hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. All of the treasures of wisdom are found in Christ as we follow him. I'm going to talk about this next week. When we trust him, Jesus leads us to live wisely as we follow him step by step. And then we choose to follow him daily in situation after situation. And that's how he gives wisdom. When we turn to him in prayer, asking in the moment, what should I do? And walking in obedience. As I wrap up the today's message, I, I want to give you some practical next steps to apply something you've learned in the message for the first time or you were reminded of it. Here are my suggestions for next steps. For the first time, I give my life to Christ and follow him as Lord and Savior. I will accept him 
as my Savior and follow him as Lord, which means boss. And a second step, every day this week, I will ask God to help me overcome my foolish strategies, whatever they are. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you so much for your kindness and grace and love. You give us a heart of flesh in exchange for our heart of stone. I am so grateful for the transformation that comes when you enter our hearts and lives and you really make a difference. And I pray that, God, you'd give us the strength, the power to take the steps you've laid on our hearts to take today. And I pray this in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.